You'll know when you have a wild woman. She'll practice her craft without boundaries. She is truly autonomous. Her loyalty is only to the family she serves, a midwife who will not allow herself to be held back by a system she didn't create. This podcast is for the birth keepers who want to grow and change. We're open to learning through self-reflection and supportive community. We are creating this space to explore without judgment. We are remembering we were born wild. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Born Wild podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sophia. And today I have with me Nika, and I'm so excited to listen to her share her two amazing birth stories. And I'll throw it right over to you, Mika, to introduce yourself and your family, and um, we'll get started on birth number one. Yeah, thank you so much. So excited to be here. So my name is Mika, and I live in San Francisco. I've got two kids. Stella is two years old, and Silas just turned five months old. Uh, I'm a single mom by choice, and just so passionate about birth and pregnancy and mothering and breastfeeding. So uh, this has just been an epic journey for me. And yeah, so um, I'll start out by just sharing a few things about uh, how I ended up deciding to become a single mom by choice. I think it's relevant to how I ended up birthing the way I did and about me. Um, So I'm just going to start by going all the way back for a minute and say that when I was a child, I just always dreamed of being a mom and I loved animals and would just fantasize about uh, animal families. When people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I sometimes would say a mama wolf. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just, I really loved wolves and foxes and, and animals like that. And I, I, I envisioned myself being in this big tribe. So unlike, you know, the typical two parent human family structure in many societies, I had more of an animal (laughs) dynamic in my mind. Uh, really identifying with the primal, my primal self. I had two dogs that were uh, family to me. So, um, so that was my vision as a child. Um, and then like the mama bear with your two cubs, you know, and she's yes. like her and her babies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for me, it was like, I liked the, like the wolf tribe idea because it was just like, there were babies and older kids and you know adult wolves and we're just all like coexisting and um yeah just this big big tribe um so anyway um that was my vision and then fast forward to my 20s I absolutely loved dating and relationships and sex and human dynamics of all kinds and that was a bit that was the primary focus of my life but of course i had this huge desire to become a mom and have lots of babies so at some point i realized or i heard about the idea of someone becoming a single mom by choice and i was like oh yes that that makes total sense i want to do that 
Um, (laughs) I tend to do things my own way. (laughs) And so it really, really spoke to me. Um, So in 2018, when I was going through a pretty intense breakup, I utilized the transition time to embark on my single mom by choice journey as breakups can be a really big, you know, transition in your life um, or they, there's some space for, for making different choices. So uh, even though dating was a huge priority in my life, I decided to make the top priority uh, my motherhood journey. So I ended up spending about eight months looking for what I called my dream donor. I went the known donor route as opposed to a sperm bank because I had all these great men in my life and I'm all about communication. So it made total sense to me to, to find a donor. So um, I ended up finding an amazing donor in Brooklyn and, um, and then how I got pregnant you, in 2000. How did you go about finding a known donor? Is there like an app? Oh, totally. Yeah. Or oh my gosh. Was it a friend of a friend or? Good question. Yeah. I, I just love that part of my journey because it really, uh, I love dating. And so it made a lot of sense to me, the process of finding someone that I was a great match with. And for me, I could say so much about this, but I had a lot of friends who are matchmakers. And so I actually used their strategy of having a big pool. Uh, they, they have a big pool for their clients that they can choose from. And so what I did was I created a large pool of potential applicants. And, and then I just went on what I called donor dates where, um, you know, they, they filled up, they, they, I had some preliminary information Um, whether they qualified for what I was looking for. And then I would go out to dinner with them. And if uh, it felt like a great match, I would, you know, pop the question, um, you know, would you be interested? This is what I'm looking for. I actually had uh, every single guy I asked said yes. (laughs) So it, it wasn't really a problem. It was just really about what I really wanted. Right. And so, and then I had, oh my gosh, like such a big, uh, screening process after that, you know, I could basically felt like I could have anyone I wanted. So, um, you know, all these questions about their health and genetics and, um, various other things. And, um, what it ended up really boiling down to was, um, our connection, intuition, and how I felt about their, you know, reliability and, um, and how much I could trust them because this was a really intense, vulnerable process uh, that required someone to be available at a certain time each month. And and yeah, so there were a lot of elements there. Um, (laughs) Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it was such a fun process and um, felt really great about uh, the donor that I chose. He was a good friend of mine and it it just worked out really well. So Anyway, so embarked onto the next phase of the journey, and I got pregnant right away in um, 2019. Oh, and I, I guess I should should mention because people might be curious. I definitely did AI versus NI, so artificial insemination, but uh, did it myself, so didn't spend any money. And um, basically, that just involves uh, 
my donor giving me a fresh jar of sperm, you know, I provided the jar and then I used a pet medicine syringe, which was, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of info I could find on the internet. So that worked out well. It was the right size for my vagina. <laughs> it <just laughs> took two seconds and I was pregnant. So um, pretty straightforward. <laughs> worked really well. Um, so uh, anyway, um, but I would have to fly to Brooklyn for my ovulations. So that was that was a wild, fun journey. Um, a little date, datecations, as I would call them, because I'm super into dating. Um, so get pregnant and also, um, yeah, have fun dating. So, because uh, I was ovulating, you know. So. <laughs> so anyway, it was it was a really fun fun um, time getting pregnant. And um, so, uh, where was I? Oh, yes, yeah, so I got pregnant in 2018. And, um, unfortunately I lost that pregnancy at 12 weeks, but I learned a lot in that process. Um, so I'll just back up and say that, uh, also on this journey, I took a wide variety of doula courses and read a million books on pregnancy and birth and podcasts. And so I really started to dive into educating myself in this process, which I love to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, so then when I got pregnant, um, but I did not know anything about pregnancy loss or miscarriage. Mm. I just, that was just one of the things I hadn't uh, learned a lot about. So when the, um, when that happened, I didn't know what was happening to me and it was very intense. So, um, I was under care of the birth center in, uh, San Francisco and, um, and they were wonderful, uh, However, when I called them and said, hey, I think I might be losing this pregnancy, they said, oh, you know, we don't know, um, just come in in the morning, and this was the night. So I ended up having, um, you know, contractions every couple minutes all night long, and I, because of my doula training, I timed them, and I had some sense, and I was like, this really feels like I'm going to lose this pregnancy, but I had no blood loss. Um, and I, I, my, my theory on what, what happened there was I was scared. I was all alone and I, and I, my body didn't want to release, um, cause I didn't know what was happening. And so instead I just, I don't, I don't really know, but, um, I had these contractions all night long and in at 9am, just like they said, I went to the birth center, um, you know, really scared cause I just didn't know. Wow. Um, and then they gave me an ultrasound thank God. And I'll never forget that moment when I saw my baby there, not alive. Mm -hmm. um, just a huge flood of emotions, of course. But one of those emotions was relief, because now I knew what was going on. And, um, and then I ended up, I, I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the bathroom now and release this pregnancy. Um, you know, I don't know you know, what exactly. And that was just what I said. It was like my body was speaking. And so I ended up going into the bathroom and just, I did, I just released so much blood. And, um, and then I came out and they said, oh, uh, I, I said, oh, well, I just, you know, I just, I just released um, the pregnancy. And they said, you know, oh, uh, well, how much blood did you, did you lose? And I said, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, and, um, you know, I had felt so much better, you know, because yeah. now I wasn't in, in tune, in alignment with what was going on. So um, they said, why don't you go lay down in the bed at the birth center? So I did. And um, I was really happy to be in a place where I felt safe and, and um, you know, with people I trusted. Um, but unfortunately, I ended up apparently passing out. And I don't know if I had a seizure. Something happened where they 
decided to call an ambulance. And the next thing I knew, I woke up and I was in an ambulance going to UCSF um, and uh, on my way to having a, a hospital mm-hmm. <laughs> intervention miscarriage. So um, there were lots of things that happened on that intense journey. But um, the big takeaway for me was, um, well, okay, let me back up and say a couple things. One was that just like when I was on the toilet, I I just wanted to be up in an upright position and squat. And the medical team was telling me, you know, no, you have to lay down, you're going to pass out, you know, really telling me how I was going to feel instead of asking me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then that resulted in, you know, me just, you know, not being in tune with my body and not really being very confused. And, and then there was this moment where it was UCSF, unfortunately, so there's I had this memory, which I don't know if it's accurate, but just of all these young 19-year-old men being in the room, <laughs> uh, these residents. And there was a moment where I'm laying on the table and this just room is just filled with all these young men and, you know, um, lights and doctors. And they're trying to, like, take this blood clot out of my vagina. And I'm screaming in pain. And it was just this horrifying experience for me that was totally unnecessary. And what I really learned from that experience is, you know, firsthand what it was like to be on the intervention highway in the medical world and be completely out of control Mm -hmm. in terms of all of that. So that was a, that was a really big moment, which of course I said to myself that I will never let this happen again. I don't know what happened. Um, I'm really glad it happened, you know, with a pregnancy loss and not, um, you know, so I only had to take care of me, not me and the baby. Um, But anyway, so that, (laughs) yeah, I learned a lot from that experience and um, got pregnant again right away and continued to educate myself. Uh, My friend Sachita introduced me to the Free Birth Society, which I'm so grateful for. And feel free to ask me any questions if I'm if I'm skipping oh, over no, you're fine. something, yeah, but we'll, we'll link, um, okay. Society in the notes. Okay, cool. Um, so, um, I learned about free birthing and that just really resonated with me because all I wanted after having that experience was to just be completely in power and call the shots and, listen to my body and have space and time to be in tune with my body. So, uh, on my, let's see, I had two more pregnancy losses. So they were, they were, um, not as, not as late though. So then I was on, luckily I so far have tended to get pregnant very easily. So, um, so I was on my fourth pregnancy and, um, and then felt, um, yeah, so so things were going great in that pregnancy. And um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. The pregnancy was awesome. I loved being pregnant. I continued dating. I was just so amped up about, about the journey. And so I'll just kind of fast forward to the end of that pregnancy where I was ready to decide who was going to be on my birth team. Mm -hmm. And um, 
So I ended up talking to a few different midwives and I finally talked to one midwife and it was just such a hell yes. I don't know what she said. It was just such a short phone call. She just said something about like her own births and, and um, she was just very into free birth. And, and um, I I was like, oh my gosh, you get it. I have a question because you were learning about free birth and you said that really resonated with you. So can you tell me a little bit about like why then calling a midwife? Like where did you land? Oh yes, totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. So from the stories I had heard, um, it sounded like where I was at was if I could find someone to support me in the birth that I wanted to have that I totally trusted, um, you know, that was literally willing to walk out the door and leave me the sec- if I if I said that's what I wanted, <laughs> um, and I trust that they would do that, then um, then I would like to have a midwife uh, there for for support. And um, I didn't know if I was going to find that, mm-hmm. um, but when I talked to this particular midwife, um, it was it was just very clear that I felt great. Awesome. So I was like, this this feels great. Um, I'm in. And I mean, you know, she was just so different than, than anyone else I had talked to. Um, and, you know, there were some elements that were, that were very different for me, such as I was so clear, even though I'd never given birth to a live baby before, that I wanted to catch my own baby, that I wanted to birth in water, that I wanted to, you know, make decisions on almost everything. And most midwives I had talked to didn't have a positive response to that. I think one of them even told me like, oh, you think you want to catch your own baby? Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. I don't know. But I was just like, oh, you do not understand. Yeah, <laughs> I know I'm the kind of person who knows what I want. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it's so, uh, yeah. I mean, Emily talks a lot about that, that in interviewing families and women for the, uh, you know, her Free Birth Society podcast the stories she hears, a lot, some women do actually really want to birth by themselves or with their family, but a lot of times they just couldn't find somebody who would support them in the way they wanted without like taking over their birth or risking them out or, um, but that, you know, a right. lot of women do actually want to have other women in their space and the reassurance and yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely for that first birth really wanted the support. Um, I love mothering energy for myself. I didn't have a connection with my mom. So I'm, I'm always looking for that in my life. Just having that, um, that wise woman support. So, um, so that really appealed to me. (laughs) Um, and that's how I felt throughout my pregnancy. Just, um, you know, I only, only saw that midwife a few times um, I mean, I don't, I don't know how often, but, um, but it just, it just, you know, we just hung out and talked and I was like, oh, this, I just, I loved that. Yeah, <laughs> so I feel so supported. That's all I wanted. Um, yeah. So, um, and then, so moving into the very end of Stella's pregnancy, uh, I was very post date and, um, I, like from my calculation, I was like 44 weeks, but it, it was kind of complicated with, I don't know, I had like later cycles and what exactly I had written down on, um, for the hospital. Um, because I did, I did have, um, I was just like, you know, registered there, um, Mm -hmm. at the general, which was great. Um, they were really chill. 
Um, so they had my info. Um, so Joel, yeah, mention in a second. So, so I absolutely loved pregnancy and I especially loved the end of pregnancy. It just was like the best high of my life. Um, just the experience I had always dreamed of, which was being so in my body and just, you know, I just felt like I don't need to meditate because I'm just present all the time and, um, loved it. So, um, you know, of course I had all the, the physical experiences, but, um, just, just high out of my mind. <laughs> and my sister came to stay with me when I was 40 weeks, um, thinking that, you know, I was going to give birth soon, <laughs> but I didn't. So she just stood, she just stayed with me. She's 10 years younger than me, um, or maybe nine and a half years younger than me. And she, um, she had just started uh, grad school for math. And so we were in completely different states where she would wake up and just do math all day long and go to sleep. And I would just wake up and be in my, you know, wild, late pregnancy, emotional, dramatic state, just talking everything out, talking to the cat. Um, <laughs> just, it was a pretty hilarious and fun dynamic at the end of my pregnancy. Uh, so... I ended up, uh, just because I was so post-date, deciding, I will actually ended up uh, getting a coaching call with Yolanda, which was so great for me because I just wanted to talk to somebody who um, who had been through, you know, many um, long gestations because, of course, I was spinning. <laughs> My head yeah, was spinning yeah. just around the societal pressure, kind of a hard not to if you engage in the society that we're in um and so she just was so great just just told just said exactly the things i wanted to hear and i said one thing i was concerned about i said you know what do you think about the idea of getting an nst and she said you know which was so awesome what are what are you going to get out of that if you have whatever result and that really helped me just understand the concept of, um, you know, what am I going to do with that information? Yeah. And so that helped me decide that I did actually want to get an NST, but I wanted to do it completely on my own terms, which was a radical shift for me in engaging with the medical world from then on. So this was an awesome experience. Basically, I just, I just made sure that I was really rested, fed in a really good mood and, um, and just went in like when I felt like it. And um, it actually ended up being the day that I, uh, my birthing process started, but I didn't know that at the time. So, um, so I went there and, you know, I'm just in my, in my late pregnancy head space, um, just, you know, eating a sandwich while they're like, you know, monitoring the heartbeat or whatever, whatever they're doing. And, um, and I'm just having a great day. And, um, oh, I, I also mentioned that uh, my sister, because she's so uh, great at statistics and math and <laughs> figuring everything out from that perspective, she helped me do some research on post-date. So we, I came in with a printout of, um, of the exact uh, um, statistical data on post-dates. So if anyone wanted to say anything about that, I could reference uh, the actual numbers so they wouldn't throw at me like, this is dangerous. Uh -huh. I would say, well, let's look at the the actual ratio here. We're looking at, you're talking about 0.01% chance that, you know, my amniotic fluid, something or other 
Um, so <laughs> so I felt really equipped. They probably didn't know what to do with you <laughs> when you were there. Totally. So it was actually a really fun experience for me to just, you know, because I, I like to, um, to, to not avoid things, but instead just, just go in with um, assertiveness and confidence and be able to face uh, to face challenges in that way. And so that's exactly what I did. So I went in and, um, and it was just such a funny experience. I walked in and I think that, um, whatever nurse or whoever, um, saw me, she immediately, she didn't even, um, like talk to me. She just got on the phone and I think she said something like, we've got a 44 weeker here. <laughs> <laughs> and like, as if, like, she couldn't even like engage with me. And, uh, and like, then when oh I walked out God, of the room, probably never seen that. I'd never seen that. And when I walked down the hall, the nurses like lined up to like watch me walk. Oh my God. <laughs> some sort of like anomaly. So anyway, um, so that was just such a, a funny experience. And so after, you know, I did the process, you know, they send the OB in to tell you that you're, that you're in danger with something. But, um, but I was actually had started having um, sensations, having surges, and I was just really in my own world. And so when they came in to talk to me, I was just like, oh, you know, I got to go. Um, I got to go get something to eat. I'm really hungry right now. <laughs> they like brought in a whole team to, to tell me that post-aid is dangerous. And um, and I just like didn't even listen to them. I was just um, I was like, OK, um, well, I, I think I'm going to have a baby. So I need to get get out of here. Um, I don't want to be in the hospital, you know. <laughs> so, anyways, it was just a really fun experience for me. Just naturally being in that headspace. Um and I think, I think they were just, I just remember it was kind of like silent jaw dropping for them. Yeah. I think finally one said to me, well, uh, have a great home birth or something like that <laughs> as I walked out. Did so. they um, ask you to sign like against medical advice to leave or anything like that or? No, because I mean, they didn't even know that, you know, if I was in labor, Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, you know, I, I think that um, the general, the Zuckerberg Hospital in San Francisco, it, I don't know, they were always pretty chill about that. Um, and I was always very clear. Mm-hmm. I was always, you know, I, I didn't let anyone even try to talk me into anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, so yeah, they, you know, they were like, we're here if you need us. So that's part of the reason why I like that hospital as a backup. Oh, so yeah, um, lucky there. No, it should be that way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, thank you for that information. Um, you know, didn't see anything too alarming. Anyway, so that was a great experience. And then I, I went on over to Byright, uh, which is my my favorite place in San Francisco to eat. And um, it was, uh, where, let's see, uh, it was September 4th of 2020. And um for anyone who lives in the Bay and remembers that time, it was right after this crazy lightning storm. And it was right before we had this orange sky. <laughs> so it was like a crazy time and it was super hot. We're having a heat wave that weekend. Um, and it was uh, nectarine season. It was stone fruit season. And I just love nectarines. So I went to buy right and bought about 30 nectarines and just of course was bubbly and, excited just telling everyone at buy right it was like COVID time so you'd like stand in line I remember standing in line telling people I'm gonna have a baby tonight I'm just here to pick up some birth snacks and (laughs) of course I said every day that I was gonna have a baby because I didn't know when I was and I just figured I might as well 
be ready for it. So anyway, so that was really fun. And um, as my Lyft driver is driving me home, I'm telling him I'm going to go home and have a baby. And, you know, <laughs> just looking at me like I'm crazy and I'm just having time in my life. So um, anyway, so that was the, that was the start of it. Um, I just wanted to mention all of that because it was really, it was really awesome for me to have that, that different experience uh, going into that birth. Um, and then, um, so, so yeah, it was, I was post date. Um, and so the midwife that I was working with, I was no longer in her birth window because that ended at 42 weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, however, she was still um, going to support me, which is awesome. Beautiful. And, um, so I ended up talking to her on the way home. Um, and, oh, and she said, um, oh, just so you know, uh, you know, I'm on my way to another birth, but you know, don't worry uh, um, just don't go into labor tonight. And I was just, you know, in my birth brain or my pregnancy brain, I was just like, okay. Um, and then got home, you know, cause, oh, I forgot to mention that every night from like sunset to sunrise, I was having really intense sensations, uh, you know, which at that time, you know, I hadn't, didn't have a toddler. So I, it was fine that I was up all night. I ended up, you know, just doing, um, you know, what I called my birth rehearsal in the birth pool. And, um, but I didn't know the point being, I didn't know, uh, you know, when it was going to be the real thing. So I never really knew. Um, <laughs> so um, I didn't know if it was real in that moment. So, um, so I'm heading home and I get home and my sister who just does math all day, every day, um, except for the weekends, um, it was Friday night. And I, I said to Sarah, um, I'm going to take a quick nap. And she said, okay, I'm going to go on a run. And then she went on a run. And I, when I woke up, I woke up to a text. I had some like stupid text alert about San Francisco. Um, and they're like, heat wave. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're having a heat wave. So that was interesting. And right in that moment, I had my very first uh, real sensation, real contraction. And, and then I was like, Whoa, that's, that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> so then my sister comes back and I tell her excitedly, this is it. This is really it. And she's just like, okay, because I've been saying this every day for like three weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she didn't know if it was really, if it was really the thing. And, um, it was Friday night. So, um, my sister was in a completely different mood and just got like super high, <laughs> like she like she just like smoked a bunch of weed I don't know what she was doing but she just turned into um her Friday night self um so she got really bubbly and um giggly and I was having these sensations and um and then right away you know so I was in early labor um and just to uh mention that this was a 48 hour labor mm -hmm. so um and it was Labor Day weekend it was Birdie Man weekend uh, we're having this heat wave. So it was, it was a really intense time. Oh, that sounds like so Sarah, yeah, it was just like, you know, and then, and then with my, my, uh, pregnancy brain, just, I was just like, wow, I'm in another world right now. So, um, so my sister is just, uh, uh, having a, a great Friday night and I'm starting to have these sensations. And then suddenly I realize, um, you know, I've got this cake company. Um, this is my like current, uh, um, main source of income at that time. So I realized, oh no, I have a cake due on Tuesday and it's Friday. I better, I better make that cake really quick. Cause I don't, oh I don't know how long this birth is going to be. So, um, <laughs> and, um, so right away I just started making the cake 
And um, this was, it sounds crazy, but this was really awesome for me because um, one of my, I had two fears in becoming a single mom. One was how I was going to financially support myself and the other was my dating life. And so I just never stopped working um, on cakes. And, um, and that was just awesome because, you know, and I didn't know when I was going to have a baby anyway. So, um, cause I, you know, it just felt like it was never going to, never going to happen. So I just never stopped working. Um, so, um, anyway, so I, I, I wanted to work anyway. Um, uh, so I spent the evening in my early labor working my ass off to make this elaborate wedding cake with, I was basically like, you know, making these buttercream roses and then pausing, jumping in the birth pool, having a sensation, jumping back out, um, frantically, you know, making sure my house is immaculately clean. Um, and all through that, my sister and I are just laughing hysterically at the scene. Um, and I'm like trying to get my birth altar perfect. And um, she got, you know, super high. So all of a sudden we're in like the same zone. And I just remember like literally falling on the floor, like laughing like several times to this whole thing. Just just the, the, the ridiculousness of it. Of like the house has to be clean. My altar has to be perfect. My pool has to be hot. I have to finish this cake. And um, anyway, so we just had a blast. Oh. And <laughs> um. I wanted to mention all that about the early labor of that birth. Um, and then my sister goes to bed like clockwork. She sleeps from like 12 to 8. So she goes to bed at midnight and I spend the whole night continuing on by myself, finish the cake at four in the morning. And um, and then right after that, I had this realization, oh my gosh, my midwife told me not to go into labor tonight. <laughs> I am oh, labor. And... Yeah. And then, um, and I just remembered that and I ended up just totally having this emotional breakdown and crying. Um, my birth pool got cold. I moved to the bathtub. I'm in the bathtub crying. I didn't want to call her cause I didn't want to wake her up. I was, cause I didn't know if this was the real thing. So yeah. just having a total emotional meltdown, um, all by myself. Um, <laughs> and then ended up at 8 a.m. Like earlier that day and the laughter and everything. And <laughs> yeah, oh my God, what an emotional roller coaster birth can be. Um, <laughs> so at 8 a.m., I ended up calling her and, um, and saying, I know you, I know you didn't, t you told me not to go into labor, but I did. I and did I just anyway. really wanted you to be here. <laughs> And she said, Oh, Mika, don't worry. Like, it was a short birth. I showed up and she was pushing. I was sleeping last night. Oh, because I had texted her and she didn't respond. And, oh. <laughs> and she, and you know, she told me, you know, um, call her if, if I really needed to, but text and, um, anyway, but I didn't remember any of that. So she was like, oh, I was, I was sleeping last night. And I was like, oh, thank God, because I just really wanted my birth team to be fully rested. That was a big concern I had. Because uh -huh. <laughs> I remembered from being a doula, being so sleep deprived. Yeah, and I like, just, I just really wanted my birth team to have their needs met. <laughs> you're like, one of us has to be rested. It's not going to be me. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know how long. Yeah, I didn't know how long the birthing process was gonna be. So I wanted her to be rested. I didn't want to call her too early. Anyway, she said, you know, don't worry. Like I'll be there. And then I was like, oh my god, thank God. So 8 a.m. Saturday, um, I just completely switched. I was in a great mood again. Sarah woke up. I said, Sarah, I need nectarines. I need my birth pool hot stat. I need my electrolyte water. And she was just on it. And um, and I spent Saturday just having the time of my life with. Um, 
I think one thing that was amazing is I'm just somebody who runs a lot of businesses and is way overbooked at all times. I just remember thinking like, all I have to do today is give birth. <laughs> Not that bad. I can do that. <laughs> and so I was like, this is great. I'm just going to hang out in my pool and eat nectarines and dance around to my playlist. And um, that's what I did all day long. And it was awesome. Um, and, and then Marissa, my photographer came at some point and, um, I wasn't in active labor yet, so I wasn't ready for, for mid, for, um, the midwives to be there. So, um, let's see. So that was awesome. And then by Saturday night, I, uh, you know, I had been, um, laboring all day and I had found my flow and my flow was, uh, have the um, have the surge in the pool and then um, eat some nectarines, <laughs> which is all I wanted to eat. Um, drink some electrolyte water, jump out of the pool, go pee, take a three or like a yeah like a three minute nap and then jump back in the pool and start over again. That's what I've been doing all day long. It was awesome. Um, and then by Saturday evening, Marissa and Sarah said to me, um, "Hey Mika, you know we are going to." Um, take a little dinner break. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I'm like, this is so exciting. <laughs> but anyway, I was like, okay. Um, and I had rented another apartment in my building. So they left me and that moment was incredible because that was the moment where, uh, my, I really had the psych psychedelic experience of, of birth as, as soon as they left all of a sudden, um, I really went into my sensations so deeply and it was sunset at that time. And I just remember looking out the window and the colors were like bright orange and pink and they just got more and more vivid. And right before Sarah had left, she had lit the candles and my birth altar was just so beautiful and my house was so clean and um, and I had, you know, this starry light on my ceiling and, and Sarah had set my birth playlist going and I was just like having the time of my life. I was like, this is so incredible. <laughs> um, and I just remember looking over at my cat as I'm just just riding these waves and just like, how can you be sleeping right now? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is like the craziest experience I've ever had in my life. I, so, I remember um, that as a doula being with somebody and I was like trying to get her to from like I think it was a hotel to the birth center and I remember like watching people pump their gas and I was thinking like how can you be just going about your life don't you realize what's happening right now like, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh yes that is exactly how I felt so uh I'm, I'm experiencing all of these visual and sensory sensations and things are getting more intense. And then all of a sudden I start getting flooded with emotional experiences. And I just start having one emotion after another run through me, fear and sadness and um, joy and, um, you know, pleasure and pain and just everything and just feeling it so fully and I just start crying and it just felt like the most beautiful release I've ever had in my life. I'll never forget that time that I was alone. Um, and um, I, I decided to, I, in, in my moment of, of fear um, and sadness, I decided to call my best friend, Mike. 
<laughs> as I'm having like these sensations every every five minutes or so. So I have to have to pause. Um, but I'm I'm calling him, and then I have um, I have some sort of uh, meltdown. Oh, I remember what it was. I had found my flow all day long. Mike is my best friend of like, I don't know, 13 or 14 years. And so he knows me so well. And I say, you know, he, of course, he knows nothing about birth. He's actually like afraid of the word birth. But, <laughs> but I say to him, Mike, I, I got my flow. I did everything so good. But I'm having a problem because, um, you know, my flow was I, um, you know, I eat something, I drink something, I jump out and I go pee and I take a nap. But now I don't have enough time to take a nap. <laughs> and I don't know what to do. Um, I, I don't, you know, I only have a couple minutes. And he says to me, well, you know, <laughs> could you nap in the pool? And I said, oh, my God, Mike, that is the best idea I've ever heard of. Um, so <laughs> creating a little contraption with the with the straps I had that came with the pool to support my head. And I started taking like one minute naps in the pool. Awesome. I was on my flow again. And um, and then Sarah and Marissa come back in. And I'll never forget that moment because all of a sudden it was the second I heard their voice, it was just like, bam, like, like straight out of my trip back to, you know, the other planet. And I was just like, whoa, like zoomed in from a DMT trip or something like back to reality. And and I was just like, who are you? What is going on? You know, and, um, and Sarah was just like, whoa, you're like in another world right now. So that was just like wild because it just made me realize that I had totally gone somewhere else. And I was so grateful they're there because, you know, I needed I needed my pool hot again. I needed um, mm -hmm. food and water. Um, and then um, Sarah went to bed just like she does at midnight. And Marissa went to bed in the other apartment. And so now I'm at Saturday night and spent all of Saturday night by myself, got in my flow again. Um, but now it was, you know, had very little time in between. So that was a wild night by myself, which I loved. I just love being by myself in the birthing time. It's so awesome. <laughs> um, and then so 8 a.m., just like Sarah always said, I don't know how she, you know, I have a, I have a studio apartment. And she was, and, you know, so she's just sleeping in the loft bed right there. But somehow through all the noise, she just slept. <laughs> 8 a.m., wakes up, and I'm like, I still haven't had the baby. <laughs> she's like, okay. And she's on it again, helping me out. Um, and then at that point, I'm at some point like in active labor and, you know, things started to get really blurry in my memory. Um, <laughs> but at some point in the evening, I looked up and my support team is there. Uh, my midwives are there. And um, oh, my friend Sachita came and she was just incredible at she is a trained doula and just an incredible person. Um, she's like a natural doula and she gave me the most incredible back pressure and said the most amazing things. And, um, and I was just so happy to, um, to have, have everyone there that I just love so much. And I, and I felt so supported by, and, um, and there was a moment when my midwife came in and I don't even know if I knew she was there but she just, I think, took a wet, cold washcloth and put it on my forehead and, and gave me some pressure on my head. Like, didn't even ask me. It was just the thing that I wanted and needed. And it just, I had this moment of, of being like, oh, my God, I'm so happy you're here. Um, and, yeah, I just, I just was so grateful and, and just, like, felt the support, which is, you know, all I needed and wanted. So, anyway... Um, 
that was awesome. And then I went into the transition time or whatever it was in birth, (laughs) trying to get things labels, but I didn't, you know, I don't even know anymore. Um, And uh, unfortunately started experiencing excruciating back pain. So I had had this wonderful birthing experience, but then all of a sudden I had this excruciating back pain, which um, I had no idea how to get out of um, and was desperately asking everyone in the room, uh, which of course uh, was pointless because there was nothing to be done. And um, I just had to be with it. And um, I have this memory of uh, screaming at the top of my lungs, but I had GoPros and everything recorded. And it turns out I was pretty much silent. Uh, according to the videos the whole time. Is so, it so um, I guess I've seen it either way where they thought they were screaming, they were silent, or when they would thought they were silent, they were like, oh my God, I'm so loud. <laughs> yeah, so I just, yeah, I thought I was this wild woman screaming, but I guess I was just screaming on the inside. Mm. Um, and yeah. I had, the the line I kept saying to myself is, I cannot believe, I didn't know it was possible for a human to be in this much pain and still be conscious Um, because I had thought that if I was ever in this much pain that I my body would knock me out or something yeah Um, but maybe yeah whatever whatever the magic of happens birth anyway it was excruciating and um, and so that was the moment that really decimated me Um, and I think I even said like you know I'll take an epidural you know which was a joke because I had told everybody if I ever say that obviously um remind me that I don't want that mm-hmm. so and then I was just like damn it you know <laughs> so um anyway uh, fast forward to the pushing um because it was several hours of that I think um and um I was really attached to having the FER the fetal ejection reflex and so I had really promised myself I would not push I would just wait and um, which was really challenging because I'm in excruciating pain and all I want to do is be out of this pain. I did not care about the baby anymore. I just wanted to be out of the pain. Yeah. Um, felt like I was going to die. And um, so, but here I was, I had promised myself to just wait. And so I was totally stuck, completely stuck. Um, didn't know what to do, you know, and I have this memory, which I don't know if it's true or not. But of me reaching in and the, and Stella's head is only a knuckle away and um, and it's being so frustrated because I just didn't, I felt like, um, and sorry, it wasn't like a knuckle away. She was kind of going in and out or I wasn't quite in the pushing. Sorry, I'm getting confused. This time was so blurry, but um, she, she was moving, but it felt like, you know, pushing, it wasn't time to push yet. And so I was totally frustrated. And then um, I would reach in and I would have blood all over my hand and just throwing it at my wall or throwing it on the floor and having so much anger, anger at myself for um, for wanting the house to be so immaculately clean, everything to be perfect <laughs> and, and birth being just so intense and painful and everything in that moment. Um, just so much anger and rage and frustration in that, in that time. Um, and so... Yeah. So eventually after, you know, no one could help me, everybody's just, you know, quietly um, supporting me from what I remember. And um, I finally just in my state of um, anger, rage, which I don't think I was expressing outwardly, 
you know, not anger at anyone, but just, just anger at the, at the pain. Um, I ended up going in the bathroom, sitting on the toilet, you know, um, just all alone, shutting the door and, and then having this experience of just a little budge. And I was just like, oh my God, my body's ready to push Mm. and, um, walked out in the living room and said, I'm pushing now. Um, and you know, everybody was just like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, because I'm doing this, this birth on my, on my own terms. So, um, so yeah. And then I, I just got back in the pool and was just so ready, so ready to push this baby out. Um, you know, I didn't even care about the the fetal ejection reflex anymore. I just wanted my body to be ready. And I remember someone saying, um, you know, where's Marissa? Oh, she went to dinner. And I, in my, in my mind, I just was so I had so much emotion and I was like, what? She's at dinner. I'm pushing the baby out now. Um, get her here right now. And then someone was like, oh, you know, Mika, pushing could take a while. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm pushing this baby out right now. Um, <laughs> so get Marissa here. Um, and, um, and and I'm like, it felt like I was in like a dream, like trying to scream, but like I could barely get the words out, you know? So, oh my gosh, that's an intense moment. Um, and then Marissa came back and I'm pretty sure I had what I've been told, um, was a pretty short pushing phase. I think it was like 30 minutes or something like that. Um, and what was so cool about that pushing experience was that, um, I'm just checking the time here. Okay. Um, (laughs) uh, what was so cool about that pushing experience was that I really wanted the fetal ejection reflex, but I thought that I was just jumping in the pool and just pushing, um, pushing the baby out. But in reality, which I learned from the video, uh, I had the GoPro up high on my loft bed, aimed down at my belly, at my big belly, which was out of the water. And it was, um, you know, just before sunset. So there was, it was still really light and it was so cool from the video. I could see that, uh, what was actually happening is I was passing out. So I was asleep for a few minutes and then you could see from the video, my, uh, uterus contracting, you could see the muscles contracting and then I would wake up and follow the push. Mm. And so I was like, Oh my God, I did have a attraction reflex. I didn't even know it. Um, which I had no idea cause I didn't know I was asleep. So, you know, birth so wild like that. <laughs> um, so it was, it was so awesome. So, um, anyway, um, when I, right before I pushed her head out, right before I had the ring of fire, as they say, um, I had this flashback to that moment when I was at UCSF and, um, and they had, you know, I had that horrible moment and where I had all the, the doctors and the residents and the lights and, and, um, I just felt completely disempowered. And, um, in that moment where I was pushing Stella's head out, it was so the opposite in a room of supportive people in my pool, And I just, with my hands there, only my hands and on my breath, I just remember just, you know, and I was, as a single mom, I also was, had a big fear of caring because I knew I had to take care of myself. There were so many things that I was worried about, um, in that moment of pushing the baby out. Um, but I decided, you know, now I'm ready, you know, on, on the breath that I decided I pushed her head out. And that was so powerful for me, um, even though I did tear quite a bit um, because she she really shot out. Um, 
but that was just such a healing experience for me after I had had that other experience in the hospital. Oh, so um, then I um, immediately just wanted to make sure there was no cord. So I reached back and, and then I felt something soft. Um, she was like LOA. So, um, you know, her head, her face was coming out behind. Um, I felt something soft and I was like, oh my gosh, is this a cord? And I, um, and I had somebody check and somebody said, um, nope, that's actually just her mouth. You haven't pushed her head all the way out yet. So I was like, oh, okay, okay. Um, and um, so every, there, you know, everything was fine. I pushed her head out and then um, um, just took another big breath. And um, in one push, the rest of her body shot out into the water. And um, I picked her up and and brought her to me. And that was just the best moment of my life uh, up till that time. I will never forget that moment. Just, just the, um, oh my gosh, just, just so incredible. It's just this moment of, I did it. Um, I've, I, it's just me and my baby and, and looking into her eyes was incredible. So, So, um, and I, you know, I, I, yeah, and and I just wanted so badly Oh, sorry. What you were saying about your, um, like the PTSD that kind of kicked in and then to have yeah. polar opposite experience. Oh yeah, it was. Yes. So all of that, just all in that, like few moments there. Um, and I just wanted so badly to birth in water and to catch my baby. I knew that's what I wanted. And I, I had that. Um, yeah. Um, and then, so unfortunately she, did not pink up right away, um, even though her heartbeat was okay and her eyes were open and her feet were kicking. Um, but that was this amazing moment where my, um, you know, I had my midwives there and they were able to um, um, support me just in the time I needed the support. So, um, you know, so I took a moment with with Stella and... Um, and it was just some some beautiful flow of uh, me looking up for for support, like is everything okay? And then the midwives coming in, and I just had so much trust and so much um, uh, confidence in them that I think that allowed me to relax and feel what I needed to feel in that moment was you know, it was a 48 hour labor. So I was pretty exhausted, um, to say the least, and just went through the most excruciating back pain for hours and hours. So I just I wanted help in that moment. And um, so they helped me get out of the pool and, um, and check baby. And, um, and I had time to gather myself. And at some point, they said, um, you know, it makes sense to, to get an ambulance and, and have, have baby checked out, um, because she's low oxygen, um, which I, I was like, okay, because (laughs) one, because I just, I just had, I just got exactly what I wanted, which was this amazing birth experience. And I totally trusted my team. And, um, and I was just ready to, to do what was needed. I was, there wasn't this moment of like, oh my God is, um, I don't know if that's the right decision or not, because I I wanted support in the medical realm. So that was just an also an amazing experience just to completely trust, trust my team, you know? Yeah. Beautiful. So, 
Um, and and so what did that look like and um, how did the hospital support her? Yeah, um, so it was, you know, unfortunately the birth was, you know, like the birth was incredible, but then the, the experience after that was pretty traumatic for me because um, because I was post-date and so my midwives couldn't go to the NICU with me. Um, so it was, um, you know, they they did like the kitchen sink, as, as people say to her, you know, they, they didn't know a lot about what was going on. So they just, you know, gave her um, like everything awesome. they thought she might needed. And then I was just in such a postpartum, you know, brain that I didn't even know exactly what was going on. Unfortunately, I couldn't advocate and mm-hmm. um, in the way that I wanted to because I just had a baby. But um, did anyone go? With yeah. Uh, so um, of course I got there and it was COVID times and they told me that no one can come. And I said, let me talk to the L and D nurse. That's not right. I'm a single mom. I'm allowed to have a support person. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. The ways, the things I had to deal with. And so anyway, I, I ended up, um, you know, I was like L and D I was, um, you know, I was like L and D allows me to have a support person. So they, I called my sister and she came. Um, and so, um, but, uh, so I ended up having to spend, 13 days in the NICU, which was such a bummer. Um, but Stella was, you know, had no, um, long lasting effects. Um, it, she was just low oxygen. So, so we left when she, um, when everything was, was good to go. And, um, and so that was really hard just because I really didn't want to deal with the, the medical system. But what was so amazing is that I had this really my dream birth. Um, and, and I got to that, that was, was what really, um, you know, kept me going is, um, is I just felt so amazing after, after having that awesome birth psychologically that I felt like I could do anything. So, um, that's what really got me through it. (laughs) Did they ever find out what was wrong with her? Why she had low oxygen? Oh, um, well, I, you know, I was in postpartum brain and, um, and they were telling me certain things and they didn't care to hear about anything about my pregnancy or my birth, but my theory, um, after talking to the midwives and from what I've gathered, um, is I think that I had a partial placental abruption. Um, we, of course, we don't know for sure. Um, so... I don't, I don't really know. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> because, because I'm not a midwife, I just don't know how everything's linked up and resulted in that way. Um, but I think she just didn't get enough oxygen and um, yeah, Stella, so first, <laughs> I can't speak fully yeah. to, to what exactly happened. Does Stella need any blood in the NICU? Uh, no. 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 Just, she just needed not oxygen I... support. Oh, wait, maybe. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm actually having trouble remembering. <laughs> she, she just had a nasal, whatever it's called, where they give her oxygen. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Okay, yeah, just <laughs> Such a wild time. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I did not even be totally aware of everything that happened. It was it's such a bummer, you know, to, to be, so to have no postpartum support. Yeah. I was going to say, that's why it's so important <sighs> to have 
a person with you who can like retain these things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, you know, and that was a big lesson I had to learn because I did not prepare to go to the NICU. <laughs> so um, if I had only known, there would have a lot of, been a lot of ways that I would have prepared better. So like I said, really traumatic experience for me just to have to go through that and advocate um, with the with everything. And anyway, a lot of things happened there, but I learned a lot and um, luckily was able to, uh, as soon as we got home, get back into bed and, and just, and just do my, um, my baby moon, um, you know, my time in bed after that. And luckily everything was awesome from, um, from that day forward. Um, my sister left, unfortunately, so I was alone, but it was, you know, Stella and I just, just rocked it. We, we did great. So, um, so I actually had an amazing postpartum after that. Um, so I'll just transition into getting pregnant again. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, loved it. Love, um, loved being a single mom. Um, I was dating all the way through Stella's pregnancy. And I ended up meeting someone right after, like a, a couple weeks after I had given birth. Um, and we dated for quite a long time. So that was super fun. Um, again, I mentioned that because one of my big fears in choosing to be a single mom was my dating life and my sex life. Um, so I was so, uh, it was so fun to meet someone right after giving birth because I just had the biggest oxytocin high of my life. I had, I was in a new relationship. I had a new baby. Um, and, um, and that was awesome for me. I ended up having the best sex of my life and the best orgasms after giving birth, which, uh, you know, was something I was so worried about and afraid of. So, um, and my, my pelvic floor PT said, um, you know, she, she really helped me heal things. And I ended up, you know, getting stitches when I was at the hospital, just because I'm a single mom and I had to go back and forth. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I had, I had a lot that I was working through and with my vagina. <laughs> um, but that was, amazing and um and I ended up getting pregnant again uh with someone I was dating uh let's see so Stella was um I don't know <laughs> uh it just turned a year old something like that and um and yeah so I ended up getting pregnant again and It was super stoked about that. Um, loved the relationship, loved the donor dynamic. Um, again, loved getting to do it with somebody that I loved and cared so much about. Um, so that was awesome. And um, we we ended up breaking up during the pregnancy, uh, which, which wasn't like shocking or anything because it wasn't um, intending to be a long-term relationship, but... Um, but it definitely was hard emotionally to to experience that. So I, um, for Silas's pregnancy, I had um, an amazing experience physically. I was I was super fit, which was awesome. I don't know if it was because I'm a single mom and I and I um, was always baby wearing Stella. I wore her on my back even when I was in late pregnancy. And, you know, like working out with Stella on my back. So I was like super fit, feeling amazing. 
And, um, but unfortunately, um, emotionally, I wasn't feeling so great. And I just like to say that because I really like to normalize, um, you know, sadness and depression, especially with breakups. And so it was, it was so, it was such an interesting experience to be so excited and just full of joy to be pregnant and have a baby and feeling so great and so healthy, but feeling really sad all at once. Um, I couldn't even, I couldn't even believe what a spectrum of emotions I was feeling in that pregnancy. So, um, yeah, so, um, I had an amazing pregnancy wild, wild pregnancy, uh, as they call it. And, uh, which was just awesome. Cause all I wanted to do was just, living uh, your life, right. Wild pregnancy. Yes. Living my life and with, with my daughter and just, just really, you know, here I am just, just living my dream of being a single mom. I'm pregnant, you know, with a toddler, which was just like, that was like the definition of, of living my dream for me, you know, and just, and, and feeling amazing, you know, wearing her on my back, you know, I just remember walking down the street, just feeling like a queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had it all. Um, just so full. Um, and, um, and, and still dating. And um, I remember I ended up going to this huge uh, jungle prom party uh, in third trimester pregnancy, all dressed up with my daughter because we love to party together. I ended up meeting somebody, you know, with a huge belly, with my toddler, um, met this guy who had like a pregnancy fetish. <laughs> so um, again, just like totally proving to myself, like I, this is not going to affect my dating life in any negative way. Um being a single mom. So anyway, so that was an awesome experience for me. And um, yeah, ended up going super post-date again, uh, which was a complete shock for me. <laughs> because like, you know, I was like, oh, it happened once. But I don't think, I don't think it could happen again. Um, you know, this is just such a wild experience. Um, so yeah, I was like 43 weeks pregnant. And again, just high out of my mind, having the time of my life. Um, you know, and, and really indulging in these moments with my daughter, knowing that um, pretty soon there's going to be another sibling here. And so these are really special times together. So it was hot. It was summertime. We were basically just spending our days going swimming and eating ice cream. And, um, you know, it's just like so fun because um, because like either her or I would just look at each other and be like, want to get ice cream? <laughs> Because <laughs> like pregnant, a pregnant woman and a toddler, you know, making ice cream at home, um, just having um, having such a fun time, uh, enjoying in those final moments of pregnancy in the summertime, and now getting to spend it with my favorite person in the world, my daughter. Um, so that was super fun for me. And let's see. And so I, um, so I, I hired the same. Um, or one of the midwives that was at Stella's birth, because I had such an amazing experience. And um, ah, let's see. So I ended up just having her come for just the birth, because that was all I needed. I was having an amazing pregnancy. And I was just really at top health. You're like, I felt oh, like um, everything this, was just going all great. All I need is ice cream. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> exactly. That was that was where we were at. <laughs> um so um 
yeah, I'm trying to remember how this birth started. Oh, yes. Okay. So um, this birth is a little quicker. <laughs> There's a lot I learned going up to this point. Um, so, so Stella's birth was 48 hours and this birth was 20. So where I was at was um, I had my biggest concern in this birth was who is going to take care of my precious little daughter, you know, because I knew that, of, of course, I'd love to have her at the birth. That's how I felt, but I, I wanted to definitely focus on the birth. I wanted to make sure that she had all of her needs met and I wanted to not be that be the focus, but be the focus on my birth. So, um, I ended up, um, lining up all of, um, my friends who, who loved her. I had like a spreadsheet who was available when and what days, um, and, um, you know, starting at like 40 weeks <laughs> again, not realizing that I was going to go as many weeks over. And, um, and I had about eight people lined up as, as people that could take Stella, you know, various times and, and days. And, uh, as I, as the days went on, um, about 24 hours before I, um, I ended up starting my birthing time, everybody ended up dropping off for one reason or another. Uh, I, um, uh, let's see what ended up happening. Like one friend went to a festival and got tested positive for COVID. Another friend, um, just got like an opportunity to go to Mexico randomly, like that minute, you know, not, no one knew when I was going to have birth and I wasn't about to start my own labor, um, which I'm really not into, uh, cause I love the end of pregnancy. I want to cherish every minute until <laughs> yeah. the end. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, so what, one thing after another, all these friends, they were all friends without kids, ended up, you know, just not being available all of a sudden at the last minute. And um, and my number one person was um, this amazing uh, friend of mine, Allison, who was a very close friend of uh, Silas's donor. And, um, and I had flown her in from Philadelphia for a week when I was like 43 weeks or something, or I don't know, for five days and thinking like, you know, there's no way you're going to miss the birth. I can't go any longer. And, um, she ended up needing to, to leave, to go on her trip to Spain, literally the day that my birthing time started. And so, um, <laughs> which of course, by the time that it had started, I'm just in such a wild headspace that, um, that I'm just like, oh, well, I don't know what's going to happen, Stella. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so even though it's my biggest concern, but I had written the support guide for her, this very detailed support guide, hoping that whoever does take her can just, just read the documents. I'm an event producer, so I'm all about, um, <laughs> having everything in writing. So at least it's there. Um, so anyway, um, it was, uh, I had, um, sensations every night again. And, um, oh, I'm just checking the time here. Do we need to, uh, uh are we okay? Okay, yeah. great. Uh, this, 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 uh, birth story is a little quicker. <laughs> um, usually are. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, there was a lot of things that were just, I just drew from in the, in the previous story. So, um, so, uh, every night leading up to the day that, that my labor really started, I had intense sensations at night. Uh, unfortunately it's a little harder with a toddler to be up all night yeah. because she sleeps at night. So, uh, I definitely, um, went into the birth sleep deprived, which was, which was tough. Um, 
And um, just because I had sensations every night and I was doing my best and, and Allison's there and taking Stella on adventures every day. So that was, that was really wonderful that, that um, I had someone um, who was so perfect for Stella for me to have, have that time. Um, so anyway, um, the day that it started, um, I again was making a cake, <laughs> but um, I was a little smarter this time and I lined up a backup person for, for my cakes. And I'm like, just in case I end up, um, you know, birthing and while a cake needs to be delivered, I had um, coached my friend on how to make a cake. So, um, but um, being stubborn as I am, I, I was still determined to make this cake anyway, <laughs> even though I had a backup person. So, um, so the night that, um, that it started, I, I had a cake too, I don't know, like the next day or something. And, um, I tried to make this cake and I just kept messing up. Like the first time I made it, it was a vegan cake and I put in non-vegan butter. And then I had to turn that into like cupcakes for the birth team <laughs> and then I uh, tried to make it again and um and I was so um I was having so many sensations and having so much trouble like walking that I like um stumbled when I put it into the oven and then cake batter went all over the oven so not only that was the cake but now there's like cake batter all over the oven and then I'm like oh no and so then I tried to make it again and um and by that time I was um having such sensations that I just was like couldn't couldn't finish what I was doing so um anyway and then I was in bed um you know trying to sleep as best I could having these sensations and then just always telling myself you know the only thing I could could tell myself to figure out is the real thing is if it starts to really escalate and so um so I was in and you know just try and sleep until you can't so I'm I'm in bed trying to sleep, um, you know, getting up to pee all the time as you do in late pregnancy. And then the next thing I know, it's four in the morning and I'm in the bathtub. And then I just I just look around. I'm like, huh, what am I doing in the bathtub at four in the morning? Like, <laughs> I literally didn't even think as I was running a bath for myself. Um, and um, and I'm like, oh, my God, this uh this might be the real deal. If if I'm having to take a bath now to try and get through it, I literally just was unaware um, until it got really intense. And so it's four in the morning, I'm in the bathtub, um, cannot move from the bathtub. And I'm like, oh, uh, I think this is it. So the first thing I did was uh, try to start finishing my to-do list. And I was realizing, oh my God, I don't have childcare for Stella. I worked so hard to get childcare. So, um, so I immediately, um, texted, um, my backup, 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 backup people, <laughs> which, um, were, you know, all my friends without kids had something come up and, um, the backup people were, I had two people left on my list and they were two moms. Um, one of them was my friend, Alice, who played a big part in this, in this birth for me. And she had just had a baby. So she had a newborn and she also had a toddler, Stella's age. Um, and I texted her and I said, um, Hey, uh, so I think I'm, have started my birthing process and, uh, I don't know how this happened, but I somehow lost all my childcare options and, um, I think it'll be okay. 
and she she immediately calls me and I think this is like six in the morning at this time at this point I, I realized I was like oh my gosh this is really happening and so um she immediately calls me and says Mika do you have your pool set up and I said no you know um but you know my surges are like 15 20 minutes apart like don't worry about it and she's like, I'm coming over. And I was like, what do you mean you're coming over? Like, I'm, it's six in the morning. Like, you know, I'm in the bathtub. This is awkward. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know. I didn't, you know, I know her, but like, um, but she's like, I'm coming over. And, and I just, I'm so grateful for, for no, not many people have done that for me in my life, but she just got it. So she came over well, with her if newborn. You, if you think about it, Mika, you think that like a, a maiden without children would be more available, but sometimes it is the mother <laughs> that get it, you know? And especially she's mm -hmm. just been there. She's like, no, no, no. I know exactly what you need. I've got you covered. Oh my God. I have so much gratitude for her. Um, she got it. Like she, she just was able to read between my words. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I said, don't come over. She said, I'm coming over. So she came over and with her newborn and, um, and luckily because I'm so prepared, I'm, I'm never like prepared, like, <laughs> you know, like psychologically in the moment, but I, I had like, a printout ready to go that said the start of birth to-do list. So I'm, I, I prepare way ahead. So I was able to just hand over the sheet to her and everything in my house was labeled. You know, I had a lot of time being, being so post-date. So that was great. And so she was able to um, just, I was in the bathtub, like having really loud, really intense sensations, but they were pretty spaced apart. Um, and she was able to set up my pool, um, cover my house in towels, feed my daughter, bring me food, um, in the tub. Oh my God. I was so grateful and all with like a crying baby. And, um, <laughs> I don't know how she did it. And, and she couldn't even stay that long. I don't know if she stayed like an hour or two. And I just got out of the tub at some point when she left and, um, and then moved to the birth pool and, um, and was just had this moment of like, oh my God, thank God, because it was so intense at that, at that time, they were still spaced out, but when they were happening, they were like, you know, full on, unlike, you know, the, the, the previous birth, which, which was gradual buildup. Um, so anyway, and then, um, she left and amazingly, well, you know, my daughter was awake, so things started to slow down slightly or something or more spaced out and out of some miracle, I was able to, in between sensations, convince my daughter to take her three-hour nap that she does. Normally, we do a three-hour family nap. But I, and you know, I was just in a state, so I just was like, Stella, you got to go to sleep right now. I can't read your story. And she was, she's just such a great, she's such a great kid. She's just like, okay, mom. And she just went to sleep in her room. I don't know how it happened, um, but I was so grateful. Um, because I had a lot to figure out in that moment. And um, I still didn't know who was going to take her or anything. Um, and then I got back in my pool and, um, and I had a few more things left on my to-do list. And one of the, probably my favorite moment of this entire birth was uh, on my to-do list. I realized I had this cake client, this wedding cake client that I hadn't completed the sale on. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I need to make this sale really quick because who knows how long this birth is going to be or what state I'm going to be in after I have a baby. So in between, you know, 10 minute sensations, I 
called, you know, I waited till one ended and I called the lady and I, you know, I had talked to her previously, but I just hadn't taken her money yet. And I said, Hey, if you want me to make this wedding cake, I need to take payment right now. You know, I told her some story about, you know, things are really intense right now and I've got a lot going on and, um, you know, I need to take your credit card right now. I don't have a lot of time if you really want me to make that wedding cake. And, um, <laughs> and I ended up having to pause the call and, and say, hold on just a minute, muted it, went through the sensation for 60 or 90 <laughs> seconds or whatever, back on the call, said, sorry about that. Um, you know, I really don't have time. Could you actually just send me a photo of your credit card? <laughs> she did. I can't even believe she did it. Um, <laughs> I've never done that before, but, um, you know, just the, the magic of a birthing woman. I don't know. So I made this, this huge, like thousand dollar wedding cake sale <laughs> in that moment. Um, I said, I'll send you the details later. She was super cool about it. Um, so I'm so proud of myself again, really proving to myself that, that, you know, I got this, like I, I can support my family even while I'm in labor. So that was really amazing for me. Um, and, uh, and that just felt like, all right, my to-do list is done now. That was the last thing I wanted to do. Um, I was able to call my best friend, Mike and say, um, you know, cause, cause he is like buddies with Stella. And I said, look, I'm in labor. I'm sorry. I know you're working, but um, as soon as you get off work, can you come pick up Stella, read the support guide and just figure out who can uh, take her from there on? Because, you know, he had never changed a diaper before or anything. Um, <laughs> so, and I had everything packed for her ready to go. Um, and I, I know this may not be like a huge deal for somebody else, but for me, I'm a single mom and I have no support and, you know, no one that really swoops in for me, um, you know, for someone for like childcare. So so this is a pretty big deal. Um, so anyway, luckily, um, you know, things start to get blurry from here for me because um, I was alone for so much of this time. But, um, you know, uh, let's see what ended up happening. Um, I, you know, was in the pool, you know, doing my sensations. And um, three hours later from Stella's nap, she woke up. And, um, and one thing I was really concerned about was, um, I, I didn't want to like make my altar. Cause I don't know. I thought that Stella was going to like mess it up or something. And I had these candles and all these things. And so I just had it like stacked on the table, like all the things that I wanted to have on my altar, but they were just like in a pile and Stella wakes up from her nap and, you know, and I'm trying to like talk to her in between my sensations, like, Hey, it's okay. You know, I'm just, I'm just having a baby right now. And, you know, Stella's, you know, looking at me, sucking her thumb, crying a little bit, not sure what to do. And she ends up just walking over to the altar and you know how toddlers like to organize things. She just pulls, pulls everything out and ends up just laying it out for me to my complete surprise. And it was so sweet. So she ended up setting out my altar for me. Oh. and um yeah and you know I didn't know how she was gonna react so and I was just had so much love and gratitude for her in that moment and luckily Mike got off work right at that point and he came over picked Stella up um I don't know the exact timeline of everything but um I was just so happy that Stella was with um the person that she knows the best um, and I just did not want to think about Stella anymore because I just really needed to focus. Yeah. Oh my God. Like that was a major, uh, you know, challenge to, to think about Stella getting her needs met and then trying to birth a baby really hard. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so things got pretty intense from there on. 
And um, so one thing I mentioned, or I, um, that was so important to me that I learned from my last birth was that I, um, you know, that moment of, not the moment, <laughs> the hours of transition where I was in excruciating back pain, I just felt so out of control. And what I had learned from listening to all these birth stories was, um, you know, that women often, you know, the, they, they go crazy, you know, in the transition time, they say they want the epidural, they say they can't handle it anymore. And, and all I wanted for this birth, the one thing I wanted, besides, again, to birth in water and catch my baby was to was to handle that transition, because I really believe that, that I can handle anything. That's just what I believe about myself. I think I'm this um, super person. And that's what <laughs> gets me through life. So, um, so I told myself, that no matter the intensity of the sensation, I am going to to take it on fully. And I am just going to um, tell myself that I can handle more. And so that's what I ended up doing. And I for for a sensory experience, I ended up um, clutching on to an ice cold washcloth, putting it on my face. Um, and that really helped. Um, and the other thing I did is I had this low coming vibration through my body. Um, I ended up calling my friend Sachita and while well, I was having a sensation and asking her to just listen to me um, because I said, oh, I feel like I'm, I'm wasting too much energy. I'm going into my head a little bit. So just listen to this next one. She listened and she said, see if you can bring it lower. So she coached me through one and that was exactly what I needed to hear. And I just did that for the rest of my birth. I kept the sensations low. And what was really amazing for me is I decided to um, keep the vocalization, um, vocal tones longer than the surge I was experiencing. And that was incredible. So that by the time that I was done, it was over, mm -hmm. um, which just was the ticket for me. So that, and then by the time it was way too much, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, in over my head with the transition, instead of, you know, giving in to being in over my head, I just, I actually said, um, and I, again, I don't know exactly what I said out loud or like screamed into my own head, but I said, I can handle it. I can handle this. Give me more, mm -hmm. um, over and over again. And, and also I said, it's going to get more intense and then it's going to be over. So those were the things for me because I really wanted to focus on, um, on taking it on fully. Um, so I, again, spent the whole, the whole time in the pool and, um, and just kept, kept with it. So, you know, didn't know how long it was or when it was going to be over, but I just said, give me more, give me more, give me more. And it was so incredible that, um, at no point I actually gave in and thought it was, and, and really believed that it was too much. I really believed that I could handle more all the way through. So that was amazing for me. I was so proud of myself. Um, and so then finally it was time for pushing. Um, and, um, I had, uh, let's see. So with Stella, you know, we had the fetal ejection reflex, so she came pretty quickly. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> again, I was waiting for the fetal ejection reflex, but I really had the experience of my body telling me that, I needed to give a little push. Um, and so, and I, and I literally didn't push until I felt him about a knuckle away, but, um, but there, you know, which is really, can be really uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable for me. Um, 
And so I, um, I was like, oh my God, I need, I, I have to, I have to, I have to push. Like he's not moving and my body is telling me that I have to do this work. And it was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. Just like so intense, just pushing with everything I had. Um, and my body was just telling me that's the right thing. I think I was having the fetal ejection reflex, but I, I also had to have this experience of using my, my muscles to push. Um, so that was really intense. Um, but in that moment, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what I said, like, why is this so hard or why isn't he moving? Um, and someone said, oh, again, I had Marissa there, um, you know, my birth photographer there and, um, I, I don't think I mentioned, but uh, my midwife had come in at that point, <laughs> you know, it was all kind of a blur. Um, and someone had said to me, um, oh, you know, Stella came out quickly because she needed to. And this baby is is really healthy and um, and he doesn't uh, and he can take his time. And that just felt so right. Um, that was exactly what I needed to hear in the moment, because that just felt so true for me. And I just was like, oh, this is this is what this is what pushing is. And it just is different than how it felt with Stella. So. Um, so, yeah. Wow. That was uh, and I think I remember I also said to myself, um, I like to give myself a uh, lesson or, you know, coach myself, uh, give myself messages for the future, whether or not I listen to them. I, I think I said to myself, like, fuck my dreams of having future kids. This is too hard. I'm done after this one. Um, <laughs> it's like, this is so hard. I will never do this again. So I told myself that in the moment because that's how hard it was for me to push his head out. Oh my God. <laughs> so, um, but I did it. I pushed the head out and I had written very clearly on Stella's support guide. I said, you know, no matter where she is or um, what time it is, um, make sure she's here for pushing because, um, I, I wanted her to see her brother being born and, um, she ended up, uh, being passed around, thank God. Um, and ended up with my, uh, friend Rebecca and Rebecca read that and magically had coordinated with my team. And I'm so grateful had got Stella there and Stella was waiting outside the door, ready, <laughs> ready to come in. Um, and I had not, you know, I'd completely forgotten. I had a, I had a daughter at that point, but someone said to me, uh, right after I pushed the head out, are you ready for Stella? And I was just like, Oh my God. Oh, and there are just so many emotions because I had just experienced the most hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. And I was scared. Like, what if the shoulders get stuck? And I didn't want, you know, my daughter to see me in that state. Um, but, um, luckily just like with Stella, it was one more push. The rest of the body came out and um, I pulled him up and put him on my chest and Stella came in and stood behind me. And um, this was the most incredible moment of my life. Um, and I have this captured in a, an incredible photo and it's just me holding Silas and just this look of you know immense joy on my face as I'm looking back at Stella and Stella's looking at the baby. And, um, and it was just the three of us and um, she's right next to me, standing right behind me in the pool. And she says, um, the first thing she says, you know, she she's, wasn't that verbal at the time. She says, 
baby and points to the baby and then pointed to me and said mama and then pointed to herself and said Stella and 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 I we knew Stella and I knew that for her that meant like you know family it's our family here together the baby's here and um, I'm getting teary now <laughs> so it was it was just you know I really wanted Stella to know what was happening and to be a part of it that was so important to me um, um, and, and the creation of my family so I, I got that experience, um, which is what I wanted so badly in that birth. Um, and, um, and, and Silas came out actually that the, <laughs> I had this vision when Silas came out, um, of like a horse being born, how I watch a lot of animal births, how, like when a horse comes out or like a, I don't know, a zebra or a giraffe or something, they just stand up right away and they're just like ready to go. Um, because I, Silas just came out, pinked up and and just looked so healthy and i was just like oh thank god mm-hmm. um i'm like you are such a healthy healthy happy baby um and i just felt that so deeply and that was such a huge relief oh so that was silas's birth beautiful beautiful is there anything you want to touch on about immediate postpartum or postpartum or just wrap yeah. up what things are like now? I know we just have a few minutes left. Totally. Yeah. I'll just briefly say that the immediate postpartum with Silas was pretty hard. Uh, I just was not, people had mentioned it to me, but I did not understand how intense after birth pains can be. And so um, that, uh, put me into a state of shock because I had worked so hard for that, for that birth and had the birth I wanted and thought I was done. Yeah. <laughs> and then, there, huh? <laughs> yeah, the, the placenta with Stella popped right out and it took some effort with Silas's placenta. And, um, and because unfortunately I probably wasn't as rested and I didn't eat as much, uh, or who knows why, but I, I, had, a, I had a real tough time right afterward, a lot of shaking, I ended up having, uh, well, what I loved was both my kids just passed out on, on our family bed and they just looked content. And I was just like, oh, thank God. Um, I'm going to go to the bathtub now. Um, so <laughs> I just loved that they just like were sleeping together. Um, what a relief. That just made me so happy to see them. Um, so I ended up um, um, getting some IV fluid because um, I had a tough time even making it to the bathtub. I ended up having, um, unfortunately, a panic attack in the bathtub just because I was having such intense, uh, you know, pain and sensation that felt to me like transition. Um, but I, but that was that was a bummer, and I was afraid to latch um, latch on because I was told that that would make the sensation more intense. So that was creating this intense anxiety because, of course, I needed to nurse my baby, and I was in so much pain and. Um, and I was, I, I had a, a, a panic attack. Um, but luckily I just wanted to mention in case it helps anyone that what ended up resolving it, um, wish I had, this had occurred to me was as soon as I held Silas, it vanished. So I just needed to, to hold Silas and, um, and the, and the anxiety and the pain, um, they were still there, but it was just, I had a completely different experience. And when I did end up latching him on, um, I didn't, I didn't have that pain. So, um, oh my God. So, um, uh, it was, it was a little tough because I did 
ended up being very lightheaded and couldn't stand up without blacking out for uh, quite a few days after. But I'm so grateful that Alice and Rebecca just swooped in and without me even asking, just picked up Stella every day and took her out. They like traded her off uh, for at least a week. Wow. And and fed her. Oh my God! Thank God for this. This is where I learned. I'm gonna cry. This is where I learned why it's vital to have mom friends. I learned firsthand. Yeah. yeah mom <laughs> so yeah, God. So they just swooped in and did what I needed them to do, and didn't even ask them to do because I couldn't even stand up um, in those first few days. Well, you were talking in the beginning about your like wolf tribe, you know? And yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're all mamas. Uh, totally. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. And so I'll just say that, yeah, now, now the three of us are just so happy and um, it's just, it's just so amazing to be, to be a mom of two. Just, just, I just like the moments when I'm like in bed between the two of them, it's just so much, so much love. And, um, yeah, I've just, I've just never been so happy. <laughs> oh, I, thank you so much for sharing your two, uh, wildly different stories. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, um, <laughs> listeners want to get in touch with you, um, we can leave some details in the show notes, but how could they reach you? Yeah. So, um, my website is mikaminks.com, M-I-K-K-A-M-I-N-X.com. Um, I do a variety of things, but I'm just super passionate about um, birth and pregnancy and mothering. I'm a coach, so I help people live the lives that they want to live. Um, and I do a variety of other things, but I, I just live a very passionate life. And I, and I would love to connect with anyone who would like to connect with me. So um, I think my website is the go-to because I haven't been so great with social media ever since I became a mom. <laughs> so, but, but that's up and running. So, um, so yeah, looking forward to, um, to connecting with anyone and, and so grateful for, for the opportunity to share my story. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks everybody for listening. You can find us at Born Wild Podcast on Instagram. For inquiries or feedback, you can email us at bornwildpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me, Emma Ray, on Instagram at Emma Ray, R-E-A, Sophia at sophiabirth.com, and me, Leah, at Bay Area Home Birth. We would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more people. And as always, stay stay wild. wild.